It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. I'm not Jeff Parles. I'm Matt Neverett filling in for Jeff Parles. We had to give him a couple of days off per week and really excited to get going here at South Point Studios along with Alex White, along with Ryan McCormick. We've got Ann and Andrew behind the glass and we've got a lot to talk about. A lot of NFL action, a full slate in the NBA, NHL, college hoops, a lot to go over. But it, it all starts and ends this time of year, Alex, with the NFL playoffs and a super wild card weekend turned into super duper wild card weekend with the Bill Steelers game getting delayed. So a lot of storylines, a lot of big time scores. How did you make out this weekend overall? Overall, really good. Um, really just the Cowboys hurt me because I did I did have them and I had them on a couple teasers. So um that one really was it. Those those two home dogs, love those, the Texans and then the Bucks last night really helped to finish my weekend strong. Yeah, you and everybody else kind of got burned by the Cowboys. We were talking to uh, Chris Andrews, and he was saying that the the result of that game was as, as good as they could have hoped. Everybody, uh, including Vinny Maiulo yesterday on, on this very show, talking about how this, the Cowboys losing as a teaser leg really helped the book out because Saturday was a very good day for the public. Yeah, and I'm. he said, too, Moneyline Parlays, you just tie them up. You're like, oh, yeah, it's a big price. Just throw them on with a couple other favorites that you like, right? And when that one loses, it really hurts you exactly. overall. Yeah, Ryan, how did you make out? Uh, the Bucks Bucks game last night, Chris Godwin ended up getting the touchdown late to help push it over for our crew parlay because we had, uh, we had the te- we teased it down to 39, and so that that helped get the uh, the over and help us win- get a winner. Always good when you're a winner on the teaser when you wouldn't yep. have been otherwise. That's yep. always a good feeling. I, I was on the Eagles. Kind of just one of those where something had to give, and it, it turns out it, it did not. I, I will yeah. say I had a great Saturday. I hit on both of those results, hit on the nice. under on the Chiefs game, um, but, yeah, gave it back the rest of the weekend. So it, it was a really unique weekend, and that kind of leads us into the unique situation that was in Buffalo yesterday. That's where we'll, we'll get started with our recaps is uh, taking a look at the, the Bills and Steelers. Bills got up in this one 21 nothing after, uh, I think it was 27 and a half hours on the delay. Yes. And then all of a sudden, here come the Steelers, and the Bills did just enough to hold on. Yeah, I don't really take too much of that. I think, you know, do or die, Steelers gave it their all there at the end. But you could be a little concerned because if you remember that game in Philadelphia where the Bills did the exact same thing and the Eagles came back and won in overtime. So Buffalo's got to be careful because they do have a tendency of doing that in games and who do they have this weekend? None other than the Kansas City Chiefs. So they got to be sure to, uh, if they get the lead, they've got to hold it this weekend for and sure. The, the Chiefs have been their nemesis yes, over the have. last couple of years. They've eliminated them from the playoffs in Kansas City each of the last two years. And we'll look ahead to that one in a minute. But the 31-17 to 17 final, um, what lessons do you think we can learn from that Steelers comeback? If you're KC, if you're Andy Reid, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're any, any part of that coaching staff, what are you looking at in the, that game in particular, what the Steelers did well that kind of allowed them to come back? Is there anything in particular, or was it the Bills kind of taking their foot off the gas? Ryan, you want to take this one? Because you were actually kind of talking about well, your disappointment in the Bills and how they allowed that. Yeah, I think in the second half, they very much allowed the Steelers to at least make a game of it. And if the refs had done anything to at least allow the game to become a game, then it would have, because I can't remember what the score was, but the the fake slide with Josh Allen, if they call that, that drive is dead, okay? The George Pickens snowball, the, the throwing the snowballs, they've already warned Buffalo fans in the past that you cannot be throwing snowballs at the field. They've warned Eagles fans, you need to throw the flag there. You need, that's too, if you want to make a statement of fans can't interact with games, interact with players like that, you need to make a statement in a game like that because the world's watching, something needs to happen. And then the Josh Allen slide, where he does slide and doesn't take a hit to the head, but then gets up all pouty about it and then gets the call that keeps the drive going. It's like the league, not to tinfoil hat, but they wanted the Mahomes-Allen matchup for sure. We're going to put you on some kind of list. No, I I will say that I think everybody can agree, no no matter your fan base, no matter who you root for, that nobody wants fans interacting with the players in that regard, throwing stuff on the field. And we saw that with uh, Nick Sirianni getting a bucket of popcorn dumped on him. But I think that's one of the few kind of unifying things. Nobody wants to have anything thrown on the field, player safety, not only from their hits to the head, rather, or or other types of instances, but also from the fans. And I think that that was really interesting. We've got some pictures uh, of the the snow in that game. I don't know how much of a difference bumping it back two days really made in terms of 
the snow because there was two feet of snow dumped on that area over a, a day and a half stretch. And they were paying fans, I think it was something like $20 each to come in and $20 an hour each to come in and, and shovel. And this is what the result looked like. Did they even bring anybody out to shovel? Yeah, <laughs> but they just did the field. Bowl. It was just the field. Yeah, so that's the stands, right? Yeah, a lot so, of the videos that we saw on social media were of them trying to shovel out the, the seats. I think they just kind of gave up on it eventually. Right? I think so, too. They were like, all right, we got the most important part. Yeah, they didn't They didn't do the upper bowl because they weren't, fans weren't sent to their actual seats. They were just filed in, like, you can wherever find you wherever can. you want to go. <laughs> go ahead. And so that they didn't great. do the upper bowl. Yeah. And one thing we saw with both of the weather games. I was going to say, though, big difference, though, in the weather, because that forecast for Sunday morning was... 25 mile to 50 mile per hour wind. So that would have made a huge impact on this game. And of course, you know, everybody is saying it was really more about the traveling for the fans and keeping all of them safe. Right. So I think yeah. it's the right move overall. Well, and we saw in both of the weather games the, in Buffalo and in Kansas City, the winning team threw it a ton more than we were expecting. We Everybody thought that it, those were going to be under games and that uh, it was going to be all about the running backs. But both Josh Allen and, and Pat Mahomes really did a good job of of throwing it more than they were expected to in a game like that. So that's a perfect setup for you. You're a Patriots fan. Wasn't there a video going around about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady talking about this in a cold game? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, yeah, we're going to throw it because nobody wants to pass rush or tackle, right? Exactly, so There yeah. was something like that with those two. And that kind of gave me that idea that these may not be so low scoring. But the Chiefs game did, the under did come in in that one. Yeah. Well, and just to put a bow on the the... The reason I bring that up is that Josh Allen became the first quarterback in NFL playoff history with three touchdown passes while rushing for 70 or more yards and a rushing touchdown. He was excellent. He was also efficient. It was just the fourth time this year that he did not turn the ball over, and that's the biggest knock on the former Wyoming Cowboy. Yep. He's used to playing in this type of weather, and so he almost gets better as the weather gets worse, and I don't know if that has to do with you know playoff time and outside of their matchups against the Chiefs the last couple of years. They've been the best team in the NFL come this time of year. Except for one team last year, if you don't remember, the Cincinnati Bengals mm -hmm. went in there and beat them in a perfect snow situation that we thought Josh Allen was going to benefit from that one, right? But you're right. Overall, he has done very well in these circumstances. It's just about taking care of the football. And in this one afterwards, the 31-17 to final sends the Bills uh, back at home. They're going to take on KC next week. How did you adjust Buffalo in your power rating? I didn't. Nothing? I kept Buffalo right there. So I made Buffalo a 10-point favorite. Um, they won. They didn't. They covered. Um, won a, by a little bit more, but you mentioned it. I mean, they let the Steelers hang in that game. I didn't really feel a need to bring them up at all. And then, of course, if the Steelers were still playing, I might make an adjustment on them, but no longer need to. So, yeah, the Bills stayed right at the number that I had them last week. And, of course, that matchup next week in Kansas City that or rather in Buffalo against Kansas City that we'll get to is going to be the the game of the weekend around the NFL but want to take a look at the the late game last night Buccaneers defeating the Eagles how about the precipitous collapse of Nick Sirianni and company Jalen Hurts uh, spends too much time studying his uh, coach Carter quotes and his <laughs> inspirational quotes and not enough time game planning how about Vita Vea as well becoming the kryptonite to the tush push who would have thunk that it is pretty funny. The only team to stop the tush push, and then they did it again yesterday. I saw, I mean, I was on the Bucks. I gave out the Bucks, but seeing the final collapse of them last night still was a little heart wrenching. This is a team that just went to the Super Bowl, had these high hopes for this year to get back there and possibly win it, and it just slowly falls apart. We were talking about it off air 10 and 1 in their first 11 games, right? And then we've just seen this slowly collapse and I just think you got to be careful when a team shows you who they are believe them so we've seen they didn't win five of their last six going into that game so there's not much hope in thinking they're just going to flip it flip the switch and that was really my only handicap on why I bet on the Eagles I was thinking in my head something's got to give they're it's, really you know, talented too much, too much talent they are a well-coached team despite what they have done the last you know however many but I, I really like what you had said when they show you who you are Believe it. Turns out that that's what we got in this game. The On the flip side of that, in terms of believing what we see, how about Baker Mayfield, the redemption arc for the former number one overall pick? He was excellent. He was phenomenal this week. He was very good. And, you know, they've been undervalued all year long. You could get him as a dog at home numerous times this year, and and you haven't adjusted them that much. I am a little bit worried that that says more about the Eagles' defense, though. And 
the lack of tackles that we saw in that game. So how much are the Bucks going to get away with this week now with this hungry Detroit team? And you really didn't adjust the Buccaneers much, but you did slightly in your power ratings. Slightly up for the Buccaneers. So I did have that game at about a pick. So I went up a little bit, mostly because, so I have my dad and my grandpa's power ratings as well. Learn from them. We talk about this often. but So my grandpa had the Buccaneers as a two and a half point favorite over the Eagles. So to me, when I was adjusting, I kind of used his number even more than the book because the book had the Eagles as a favorite, right? And I was like, I want to get a little bit closer to his power rating on the Bucs. So they went up a little bit, but not too much either. Be sure to comment, too, on our, on our YouTube feed. Tell us what you thought. We love the live comments. We'll read them on the air. Ryan is the, the police of the live comments, and uh, <laughs> he, is, he is all over. So please let us know if we have any. Please comment, like, subscribe. We're over 1,000 subscribers, and we're trying to get the push for 2,000 going, right? Yep, yep. We, we started Always from, trying to climb. Started from scratch, and now we're uh, trying to double it once more. So, yep. uh, yeah, those were yesterday's games. I want to just hit on the, the games over the weekend a little bit. I know we yep. have talked about them ad nauseum on, the, on this uh, station. Packers-Cowboys, that's, that's the game everybody's talking about. 48-32 final, not indicative of what that game really was. That was the Packers from start to finish, completely and utterly dominating a Cowboys team that did not look like they wanted to be there. And the, the surprising thing for me in that one is just how strongly and emphatically the script flipped for, for Dallas. They had won 16 straight home games. They had won all eight of their home games this year putting up an average of, I think it was just over 37 points a yep. game offensively in their home games this year. And they looked anemic. They looked inept. They could not move the ball in the first half. The only offense came in the second half when they were well, well out of the game and they were in desperation mode. Desperation Dak is the best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> the problem is, is you got to get that for four quarters. And uh, I, the question everybody's asking, and I'll pose it to both of you guys here, is is this game, does it say more about Green Bay and how solid they have been, especially towards the back of the year? or more about Dallas and just how far they have fallen after three straight 12-win seasons. I think the number that they brought up at the end of the game, I don't know if you guys caught this, Dallas is the first team ever to win 12 or more games in three straight seasons and win zero playoff games over that stretch. I believe it because I saw that it was their third straight loss as a seven-point favorite or more wow. in, in the playoffs. So that goes to show. I mean, if that was their record going into the playoffs, of course they're going to be favored that high. I'll kind of let Ryan jump in here too, but I don't know. Because especially because he's a little biased, he does not like the Packers. <laughs> no, so I'm interested to see what he thinks if he thinks they're the real deal. No, I mean this game just shows you how much, how important it is in football to be able to either punch a team in the mouth and take over a game and not let them come back at all, or be able to respond from being punched in the mouth. The Packers came in the first quarter and absolutely punched the Cowboys in the mouth, and they had lost all their teeth. Like, they had no idea what to do. They, they were completely, completely dysfunctional. And Mike McCarthy's had a history of doing this when he was in Green Bay and didn't fix itself going to Dallas. So, I mean, sure. The Packers still suck, but... You gotta give a little uh, credit where credit's due, right? Yeah, I mean, it is shocking that they have been able to find Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers... Jordan Love. It, the, kid, the kid can play football. It's insane. It's only like the, three uh, quarterbacks. It's like the Steelers and their coaches. It's the, the only comparison you can make. Is They are extremely lucky, and it's a part of a culture. And now all they got to yeah. do is wait until they can flip Jordan Love to the Jets after they've already drafted his replacement. But they that's also the, that's have, the matter. They have yeah. a phenomenal coach in Matt LaFleur, too. Absolutely. A, a guy that knows how to game manage and call the right plays and get his players into the right scheme and allow them to reach their potential. And coming from you, that means even more. Yes, it does. I wish the Bears had something like that, man. <laughs> they, they got a good runner. The problem is, is that he's the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, speaking yeah. of good runners, I, I, the, just to put a bow on this one, the performance from Aaron Jones yes. playing in his home state. Yep. He went to UTEP, 21 rushes, 118 yards, three touchdowns, all in the first half, by the way. In four career games against the Cowboys in Dallas, 488 yards combined. He plays well when the lights are bright especially in his home state. He had family and friends, and he really almost single-handedly took this game over from the start. I agree, and if you look at C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love, they pretty much have the same stats, but the part that's missing is how much he did for the Packers, right? So Jordan Love only had to... I mean, his stats are fantastic, don't get me wrong, but he only yeah. had to do so much. He could lean on Aaron Jones a lot in that one. I will say 
you're right. The strategy was perfect. I mean, taking the ball first just to go down the field, put up some points and show the Cowboys right there that they weren't going to be the only ones scoring in this game did a lot and it just threw them off their game. I was more shocked with the Cowboys defense than anything. And I know people are on Dak Prescott and, you know, that pick six kind of changed the game right away. But their defense had no answers for the Packers offense at all. And even the announcers were talking about how they were playing zone defense. And I don't understand why. And I don't understand why they couldn't make any adjustments to this at all. Um, So with my power ratings, the Packers did go up more than anyone. But that is because I had the Cowboys as a 10-point favorite over the Packers going into this game. So anybody who's doing power ratings or learning power ratings right now, I mean, right there, I have to start with getting back to where the line was, right? So Chris and company and other books, they had it at eight. It moved down to seven. So from seven, I automatically went a point and a half each way. Cowboys down, Packers up. And then depending on the result of the game, which they won by almost 20 points. So I usually do a fifth or a tenth of that. So I raise them up another point and a half or two points, the Packers. I think it's always really interesting to hear how different people adjust their their power ratings. Because at the end of the day, everyone that does this system is going for the same thing. They're trying to be able to set their own lines and be as close, if not better, than the lines that the bookmakers throw out there once the game ends. So I always really enjoy kind of getting a, a peek behind the curtain from someone like you that's been doing it and has the, the pedigree from your dad and your grandpa to kind of know, you know, not to overreact. And I think that's a big one in this game. And that's the reason I kind of pose the question of Packers, Cowboys, up, down. Is it an overreaction? Maybe. But I think with what we saw, uh, I think there's really no other way than to maybe not overreact, but to really, really bump the Packers up. You're right. And it's... It's amazing because now I already made my lines for this weekend and they're right there with the book. So it just shows you that I had to kind of do that and I was down on the Packers too much, right? And you just learn that week by week and hopefully my numbers are uh, on point right now and going into the Super Bowl. We'll see. The the other game Sunday too was Lions-Rams and that one's been talked about a lot so we won't go too deep into it. But the, the Goff-Stafford matchup was everything it was supposed to be, and then some, although I know you had the over in that game. It looked like it was an overpace the entire time until it wasn't. You're right, and fortunately for me, after the Cowboys' loss, I I was jumped in on the first half over, first quarter over, so that helped me out, especially when that final game didn't get there, um, which is, you know, kind of an important thing is to make sure you look at different angles for these games. It's not always... Black and white, and yes, the over in the game, which now thinking about it, I love first half overs or even team totals. You know, sometimes you can look at these instead. So, yeah, but you're right. Best game of the weekend by far. It had everything that we wanted, and I'm very happy for Detroit and the the Lions players. I'm happy for the fans there. Excited about their game this week. They're hosting another playoff game. I mean, if you're like a five, six-year-old kid that lives in Detroit, you've seen more success from both the Lions and the Michigan Wolverines in your lifetime or in the past month than most people have in, the, in their entire lives. So it's a, a good time to be in Detroit, which isn't always the case. So uh, they're, they're going to have a really interesting <laughs> matchup next week that we'll talk to. And then just real quick, Saturday, Texans dominate the Browns. C.J. Stroud, as advertised, youngest player, youngest quarterback, I should say, to ever win a playoff game. He's barely 22 years old. Uh, and his first half was amazing. 16 of 22. He had 236 yards passing before the half. And then in the third quarter, back-to-back drives where Joe Flacco threw pick sixes. So this game was over really from the start of the third quarter. That second pick six basically did it. Uh, but C.J. Stroud, you kind of brought him up earlier. I, I, he's legit. And I think that this Texans team with D'Amico Ryans, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, ho-hum, they win a playoff game and they got a chance to win another one this week. They've been really, really exciting. C.J. Stroud's got whatever Jalen Hurts had when he first came into the league. Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if you want to call it swag or what, but he is not afraid of the moment. And I really liked that he played in that do-or-die game against the Colts because it felt like a playoff game and it could kind of get out the jitters and get that first one out of the way. And he was ready to go for this second game. I was not expecting that result. I did make um, Houston a slight favorite at home. It's more saying that them and the Browns were kind of rated the same, but we were expecting um, Flacco to... uh, turn the ball over a little bit. And on the flip side, that's the most impressive thing that CJ Stroud really does is he takes care of the ball. He only has five interceptions on the season. So he does a really good job there. And I'm excited to see what they have this weekend. Yeah, really tough test against the Ravens that we'll break down in just a moment. The last game that we have not highlighted 
going into it may have had the the best uh, replay value, the most watchability between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. If this game was played, uh, let's just say in Miami in 80 degree weather, I think we would have gotten a completely different game. I think it would have flown over, even though this is the best uh, Chiefs defense that they've had in a while. Where did you guys watch this? I will ask you this because I I was at the the sports book at Caesars watching this one. I don't think I heard a single cheer for the Dolphins. KC was the biggest public side of the week, and it turns out rightfully so. I was on KC. I was on under separately tied together. I was on it for everything. So I had a good week, but I, you kind of had a, or a good game, I guess. But we had to sweat that one out a little bit. Where did you guys watch, and were there Dolphins fans? Because it seemed like every single person at Caesars was on on the Chiefs. I had a boring weekend. I watched all these games at home by myself. Unless I was here and they were on, then I was just at home. So you have a much better story being at the sports book and yeah. actually I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been there if I wasn't visiting a buddy that was in town, but that's the beauty of living in Vegas. You get uh, friends that come visit you. What, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, this this game I watched at home without paying for Peacock. So we'll just leave it at that. It's uh, the, the helmet <laughs> game. The, the NFL loves to nickname games. This one's the, the helmet game. I've never seen a helmet like Patrick Mahomes did just kind of shatter yep. like that. Yep. And a lot of people saying that that should have been a either a, a penalty that he had to come off or they were forced to call a timeout, but everybody kind of just threw their hands up because we'd never seen it before. Right. That thing was frozen solid. It was crazy. And, and Har- Harrison Butker as well with the, the, was it three or four field goals? Yes. He he was great. Andy Reid after the game said it, it was like kicking a block of ice. So I think that credit needs to go to Harrison Butker as well for that one. I don't really know what to make of this though. So I'm going to kind of throw this to you because... It just seems like that was already expected, that the Chiefs were going to win this one because of the weather. The Dolphins had no answers. They didn't want to be there. That wasn't the true Miami Dolphins team like that the Chiefs just beat. And I, I know that's weird to say, but it really wasn't. So I don't know what to make of this. I, I already had the Chiefs at their number because you're right. Their defense is outstanding, and they've been all year. I think it was the best performance we've seen from their offense, and they finally look comfortable, especially Patrick Mahomes, feeling confident in some of his receivers. Rasheed Rice has been fantastic for him down the stretch, yeah, but that's game. about all I really took from it. Yeah, I was just saying Rice finally had his breakout game, is one to kind of come to the forefront of that offense. But, I mean, he's had over 70, 70 targets in the last seven weeks. Yes. So, I mean, they're going to him. They, they targeted him 12 times in this game, too. Yeah. Eight, eight receptions. 130 yards in the touchdown. So I think the trust with Mahomes and his receivers is something that hasn't necessarily been there before. I don't know if they've warranted that in the past, uh, Kadarius Tony. But um, the, the Chiefs, with their 15th straight home playoff win, they got it started early, scoring on four of their first six drives. And like what you had said earlier, when a team shows you who they are, believe them, Miami didn't beat anybody this year. I, I mentioned it when I was on as a guest on Punchlines a couple hours ago, but you look at the schedule for Miami. Outside of the win against Dallas that came down to a field goal at the last second, their best win of the year, do you know, do you know who it was? No. Las Vegas Raiders in Miami. So it was a season to forget against good teams for Miami, and I think that we'll see some adjustments. And I, people are saying, oh, they need to move on from Tua. He was an MVP frontrunner for half yeah. the year. I think, while I don't think he is the best quarterback in the world, he's not the best quarterback in his own division, but I, I think that with the way that they structure that offense and when they get the ball out of his hands quickly, yep. looking ahead to next year, too, has got to be the guy, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I see. You yeah. know, it's just, They're just looking for, uh, for some Stuff kind of storyline. Yeah. Mike McCarthy hasn't been fired yet, so they're looking for some kind of NFL yeah. storyline to go on. It Somebody's feels different. It's, it's a culture thing. You brought it up with another team. Like Right now, they've got a really good thing going there. Don't mess with it. It's much different than whatever's happening in Philadelphia and their culture. And you can tell by their body language and – their pressers at Jalen Hurts just I trust everyone. I love everyone being very, you know, vague in that. So yeah, I don't think Miami needs to mess with it. Jeff's not so sure they'll be back there again, but we'll see. They did good. And to your point, I wish I would have dug deeper, which I mean, I'm sure that I kind of knew this, but maybe ignored it with the Cowboys and who they have who they actually beat up on at home this year, right? Their stats looked very good and how many points they put up, but when you really look at who they played, it's kind of like the Dolphins. Very similar. They, and we talked about it with, with Frank Nicotero. The, the Dolphins and the Cowboys, very parallel in both the AFC and the NFC as far as a disappointing team uh, come playoff time. But four games coming up this weekend should be really fun. We'll talk about them a lot more tomorrow, more of a look-ahead show tomorrow on the NFL. But real quick, Alex, I just want to get your thoughts. First game, as is always the case, for some reason, the Texans always play in the early <laughs> slot. They played more early slot games than any team in the NFL this year. 
They get the first game this Saturday at 1.30 here on the West Coast. ESPN's got the broadcast as they travel to Baltimore, who is healthy, they are rested, and they are, I, I will give them the coaching advantage, and I, that's not anything crazy to say. John Harbaugh is one of the best schematics coaches in the NFL. Uh, really tough matchup to get it started, but I think the Texans have a good shot in this one, at least to keep it close. It's really hard here. Okay, so what are you going to go with? The Ravens had an extra week to rest. Does that benefit them, or does it kind of throw them off their rhythm? Where the Texans are playing very good right now. I think the number is right at nine, and I might lean a little bit to the over, but I know uh, Frank was talking about overs hitting last week, which I think it was kind of even. I think it was actually ended up being like three and three with the games, but I'm a little hesitant. I'm just betting overs this weekend. I think they're going to tighten up and defenses are really going to show up. So lean to the over. Um, the line's right. I haven't, I haven't made a play on the side yet. I'm seeing nine and a half to Baltimore right now and a total of 46. And again, we'll talk about all these uh, more so tomorrow on our Look Ahead show. Uh, the other game Saturday, Packers at 49ers. And we got we got a great tweet from our man, Johnny Wing from M uh, BetMGM. One of my favorite follows on Twitter, XYZ, whatever we're calling it nowadays. He He's one of the best when it comes to betting trends and betting figures. The Packers getting a ton of support after their performance last week. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that makes me kind of like my take with the Niners even more because I think it is going to be such a public bet here and I think this might be the right time to fade the Packers. The 49ers are the best team in the league from top to bottom on all three facets so I'm not ready to fade the Niners um, especially at home so I think they get this done here but definitely going to be a very popular pick this weekend. Here at South Point 49ers a 10 point favor. The total on this one 50 and a half. Pretty high uh, for a couple of teams with Decent defenses. The Packers have allowed more yards per game than any team that remains in the playoffs, but they've been all right when it when it has mattered. And yeah, you saw the number. The Packers the most bet underdog on the money line. I know. And it was at 375 at that. I'm seeing right now at South Point plus 425. So all the money coming in, swinging that line. 86% of the bets at BetMGM are on the Packers to upset the 49ers. So I'll be really interested to see that one. Do you think that's just people who dislike the Niners? Because, you know, we either have like those huge San Francisco fans or just anti-Niners fans. I can see that. Right. I think a lot of it, too, is a reaction on what we what saw they from did the Packers. And I, I think yep. you kind of have it right in your power ratings. You know, you move them up. They deserve to be bumped up. They deserve to get a little bit more credit across the board. But I don't know if I'm ready to put them as a money line bet against the 49ers with, with two weeks off, basically. No, exactly. And they rested all their guys. And they, they're just the best defensively, offensively. And I don't think the Packers will be ready for that. Can their defense slow down Aaron Jones, do you think? That's the that's the big question. I, I I think they can. I think they are great in the the one on one matchups and you know scheme football. They're yes. as good as anybody in the league over the last ten years or so. So I I do think so. I like 49ers to win the game. We'll, we'll talk about the spread a little bit tomorrow. Uh, and looking ahead to the Sunday games, Buccaneers at Lions. What a matchup! If you would have told somebody before the season that the divisional round matchup would be Buccaneers against the Lions in Detroit on a Sunday. They would have told you you were crazy. These are two teams that vastly overperformed, although I think they believe in themselves more, more than anybody, and that's a big thing. These are two really, really highly motivated teams at this point. The Lions have slowly been getting to this spot, slowly getting the respect they deserve. I think they were the favorite to win that division, but it was kind of like a, okay, well, we'll prove it to me then. Let's, let's see you do it. So, yeah, now this is a great matchup between these two. Not only these two teams but the two quarterbacks right Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff kind of thrown away from their original teams and now here they have found their homes and done a fantastic job so this should be a good game I made the Lions a five-point favorite so just a slight difference there but the lines are really tight right now on all four games they're going to be really close coming down the stretch here and hard to find great value plays right here behind us at the South Point Lions a six-point favorite total at 48 and a half and then finally the matchup of the weekend who would have guessed that this one would be the final game on the Sunday in the divisional round? It's the Chiefs against the Bills in Buffalo. It should be cold. I don't know about two feet of snow again, but uh, this is the third straight year that these two teams have matched up. Are we going to get anything different this year? Do you think that the Bills have a better shot this year as compared to the two years past when the Chiefs bounced them? You know what's funny is they it's a worse Bills team, right? Their defense has dealt with injuries all year long. But fortunately for them, it's, it's a worse Kansas City Chief. Chiefs team too so we'll see what happens here I'm leaning towards the Bills I already know uh, 
Our other co-host, Jeff Parles, is going to be on the Chiefs, and I don't want to go against him two weeks in a row, but we might have to have two-way action on, on the desk this Jeff, week. Jeff was spot on with most of his plays last week, so this week might be the week to fade him, but uh, I can say that because he's not here. Jeff's I, I, a little bit of a homer when it comes to the Chiefs. So. Very much so, yeah. The uh, Mizzou, Mizzou Tiger. Do yep. you guys have a feel for this? What do you think? You think we'll get a different result, or you think Patrick Mahomes cannot be stopped? I think if his helmet can stay in one piece, it gives him a better chance. Um, I, I think just from the number perspective, and I don't know if I have a side yet. I, I got to look at some of the numbers and some of the trends in this one before I really give out a play. But I think that this one right here at South Point is a, is a three right now to the Bills. Is it? If it goes to two, two and a two, half. It is two and a half. Is it down to two and a half? I was going to say, if, it, if you can get a piece of two and a half early in the week, I think that that might be a, a really good play. And, and for me, if it gets down to two, I, I would just lay the money line. I just don't, don't worry about the points. But again, it'll be. I'll be really interested to see the numbers. What What about you? I've already taken Kansas City plus the points, um, but I I think it would be a, yes three. You got three. Yes. Okay, good. Yes, yes three. Um, I just think it would be absolutely hilarious is if this game goes to overtime, and the Bills get the ball first, they go down and score a touchdown, and then the Chiefs then get the ball because the Bills wanted put in the rule. That yes. the team gets to score or gets the ball back after a team scoring in overtime, and then they go down and score, and go for two, just to put a middle finger. You know, poetic justice. It yeah. would it would be it would be awesome. Yeah, so I think it would be absolutely hilarious. Here we changed the rule for you, but we still beat you with the new rule. Yep. Be careful what yep. you wish for, because you just might get it in a situation like this. So yeah, again, the Bills right now. You said at two and a half right here at South Point. Two, two and a half here, yes, at South. Two and a half here, and I'm I'm seeing the total. Is it still forty six and a half? Uh, forty down to forty six. So the, both the the total and the spread down a half a point. This uh, one seems to be a, a little bit of a talker though. It's three two and a half, three two and a half, two. Yeah, yeah. and that's I always mean, that's the the tightest line in the NFL is that two and a half three point split. Yeah. So I think that that we'll see that all week. I think if yeah. it gets back to three, I don't know if it'll go the other way and go to three and a half. But I think that a lot of books it'll just be dependent on the action and the the size of the bets they take. But it'll be it'll be really interesting to see, and we'll break these games down in some more detail tomorrow. Right here on Sports by the Book. Leave us a comment on our YouTube we've channel. Got, Subscribe while you're at it. We've got a live comment from Sean Higgs. Sean Higgs. It says the Bills by ten over Kansas City this week. Okay. So I mean, I don't, I don't see that. Like that, that could happen. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see that not happening. I don't know how likely it is, but I don't, I don't see a blowout one way or the other. I, I could see the Bills using the, the home field advantage a little bit more. Yes, I could too. It does. It's really tough because my numbers do say. Bills lay the two and a half, but Jeff always says too, if you're getting points with Patrick Mahomes, you have to take it, and that I can't get that out of my head because it's very true. And I was on the Chiefs last year, getting points in the Super Bowl, and that played out well. But I, the Bills have so much revenge in this spot, and now they finally get to host this game, so it's going to be a great game. One thing that we will have to crunch the numbers for, and we can talk about tomorrow too. Both these teams very much. First half overs, not full game. Both of them have been uh, trending to the under this season. So we're going to have to look at that if that's a good value to take the first half over in this one. And Vinny Mayula made a great point on the show yesterday when he came on and said that the first half overs are typically a little bit higher, or the first half totals, I should say, are a little bit higher because of that final drive right. in each half. Whoever has the ball at the end of the first half, he brought up, is always going to try to score. You're not, you're not going to take a knee with a chance to drive at the end of the first half. That's not always the case at the end of the game. So I thought that was a very interesting point. Yeah, we'll definitely have to take a look at that tomorrow. Again, give us your thoughts, your live comments on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe while you're at it. I feel like a, a, a YouTuber when I, when, when I say that. An official YouTuber. Now that we're yep. over 1,000 subscribers, I guess that makes us uh, an official YouTube. But we'll, we'll step aside here on Sports by the Book. When we come back, Alex and I will break down NBA, NHL, and the always popular college basketball. Still plenty more to come. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio. We work hard to provide you with all the conveniences that will make you come back again and again. Things like free parking and easy checkout from the TV in your room. While you're here, be sure to use the club card to get all the perks, comps, free meals, and cash we want to send your way. It's simply the best player's reward system in Las Vegas. Membership is quick, easy, and free, and you can start earning points for cash and comps immediately. Go to the club booth to sign up today. Also take advantage of our business center, located right by the Benny Binion statue. Print boarding passes or enjoy the convenience of our FedEx, UPS, and U.S. mail services. Just another way we're here to serve. Also during your stay, don't forget the convenience of room service. You can enjoy a delicious meal in your pajamas from the comfort of your room 
Just call extension 77085 or use the room service function on the TV in your room. And if you need a ride to or from the airport, our free airport shuttle can be scheduled with the front desk at extension 73139. Please give at least a 24-hour notice to reserve. For information on Strip Transportation, please call our bell desk. Finally, remember us for your next business meeting, conference, or banquet. From our 80,000 square foot exhibit hall to 70,000 square feet of convention space, which includes our grand ballroom, we have everything you need. Our getaway location and commitment to exceptional value and service have cemented our popularity with business communities around the country. Thank you for staying with us. Whether for business or pleasure, we're glad you're here. And we're here to serve. South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa, where there's something for everyone, all under one roof. Enjoy your stay. Welcome back to Sports by the Book. I'm Matt Neverett, along with Alex White and Ryan McCormick on the other side of the glass. Thanks so much for tuning in. Always fun talking about NFL, even more fun talking about it come, come playoff time. Oh it's, my gosh, it is king. It's great working in sports betting media this time of year because there is no shortage of things to talk about. And we'll, we'll roll right along in that same regard here. Plenty of games going on tonight around the NHL, NBA, college basketball. We'll start on the ice with the, the NHL. Eight games tonight, six of them featuring a team on a back-to-back. And first one we're going to take a look at here is, is one that is uh, Anaheim. At the Capitals in Washington, D.C., 4 o'clock start right when we get off the air here. Anaheim on the second end of a back-to-back, one of the six teams on the back-to-back playing tonight. Uh, this is number 25, number 26 on the rotation. Who, who do you like in this one? So you'll hear this a lot, Matt. Washington unders is my go-to here and opened up at 6. So I went under 6 with the Ducks and Capitals. They are 25 and 15 to the under, 15 and 7 at home this season. Now, Ovechkin is a game-time decision. So... There's kind of another way if you want to look at this. If you want to take Cap- Capitals team total under three and a half, I wouldn't hate that at all either. So main play is Caps under six, but there's a little side bet for you as well. And this has been an interesting one to keep an eye on because you were on Sharks unders for the majority of the beginning part of the year, right? Well... Or, or was it just fading the Sharks in general? N- yeah, a little bit, but I actually didn't jump on Sharks unders until they had 10 goals. How many was it? In their back-to-back games where they had 10 yeah. goals oh, scored on them? Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess or, the Penguins and then the Canucks. Yeah. yeah. Was ten, it 10, though? Yeah, it was 10. That was probably, what, a month, a month and a half ago? Yeah, like so that. after that happened, as I was following them, they really tightened up defensively because clearly they didn't want that embarrassing thing to happen again. So, yeah, you can kind of look at Sharks, which Sharks are coming up here. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump around here. Sharks at Blackhawks. This is a matchup that I'm sure Ryan McCormick has no opinion on. San Jose... On the, the second end of a, of a back-to-back, no Connor Bedard. He's out for a while with the broken jaw. Um, it, it was a matter of time before he got injured, right, with the way that he plays and how, you know, he's, he's small and quick and normally he's able to kind of evade, but he's, teams are focusing or yeah. had been focusing on really putting the body into I mean, that's what, that's what teams are going to do. They're going to go at your best player, and when it happens to be a kid that's 18 years old, it's a little easier to throw his body around. So No, I'm a, I'm a, a Penguins guy. Uh, when I, I lived in Pittsburgh for a while. I went to high school out there. Uh, Sidney Crosby was the last of the stars to really have his own goon, as as they say in hockey. Getting the guy to go yeah. out and just, if you look at him the wrong way, he's going to go out there and elbow you and then kick the crap out of yeah. you. But Dar doesn't have a goon, right? And I, he's out for a while. Yeah, I mean, the team doesn't really. They don't, they they don't, don't mean, have much of anybody. They had Corey Perry, and then that situation went down. They had to get rid of him. And so now it's kind of Jason Dickinson that's been been his leader, which they just signed him to a two-year extension. So they uh, the, the Hawks aren't going to try and be competitive for until Bedard gets his gets his legs under him and has been in the league for probably four years so until 26 27 they're gonna build through the draft not try and sign anybody not try and trade for anybody but yeah these are these are the two worst teams in the NHL playing against each other tonight my, my heart goes out to you if that's your expectation is uh, you know three four years they'll be competitive although I <laughs> feels like a Pittsburgh fan exactly yeah it's uh well Pittsburgh's going the opposite way they're the oldest team in the league and I was talking Pirates so. oh yeah as a Pirates fan I, I've seen a lot of bad baseball, but uh, okay. we'll get we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> San Jose on the on the second end of a of a back to back though. Yes. Uh, do you like the Sharks on the second end, or do you like the Blackhawks to pull the upset? I like the Blackhawks here. I actually took them you did that Ryan to win in sixty <laughs> minutes because it's plus one twenty. I think they can take advantage here in this spot. I actually 
like this under as well. Shark Chicago under six. San Jose 24 and 17 to the under this season. Blackhawks are 22 and 17 to the under and four and one to the under in their last five. Um, interesting point. They need a goon for him. That is a great point you brought up. And Sidney Crosby has been fantastic this season. And I'm looking for a book that has shots on goal because... You could count on him for that in almost every game. Yeah, and I'm going to do my best. I uh, The Penguins playing here in Vegas against the Golden Knights this weekend. I'm going to try to get out there. I've got my Evgeny Malkin 2009 Winter Classic powder blue jersey ready nice. to go. It's been hanging on my wall, but I think it's going to have to make an appearance for that game. Although I've got the Golden Knights license plate on my car. So it's, <laughs> it all evens out. It is that evens. Saturday? That is Saturday night yeah, here at T-Mobile. Yep. Uh, the last game that we're going to talk about in the NHL tonight, number 31-32 on the rotation list, uh, Islanders. At the Jets. And then the Islanders are the team that's on the back-to-back here. Okay, so this is another one where I'm going to give you a little side bets, or you can decide how you want to bet it. I Is it still six here? Hopefully it is. Another under six for, six, yeah. for the Isles and Jets here. Now, the Islanders have a goalie who is making their first start of the year, and that is Ken Appleby. And the last time he started was in 2017. So that made me a little bit nervous with this under. But the Jets are doing something incredible. They have this crazy streak going. Um, their opponents, team total, under two and a half has cashed in 12 straight. So I think that's a great opportunity here to take New York uh, team total under two and a half. They've been playing great defensively. Hellebuck is having his best year ever. So like the six, but I think I like the Isles under two and a half even more. Okay. And uh, for Apple Bottom Jeans and Net, what do you what do you make of his <laughs> season debut tonight? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I just wanted to get that joke in there. It was good. <laughs> I've never felt more like Frank Nicotero in my life. But I thought of that one, and I'm very very proud of myself there. You said he hadn't started since 2017? 2017, Six yes. Six years in the AHL? Slash That'll be an interesting one. So you're on under Ducks caps. You like under in Sharks, Blackhawks, and the uh, the Hawks as well? Yep. And then uh, you like the unders. You like all the unders. I like one. all the unders. And so, Jets Islanders. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Well, yeah. B- busy night. A lot of games we didn't get a chance to get to in the NHL. We don't have that problem in the NBA tonight because no. there's only three games. And the, the one that we're going to focus on mo- mostly, number 569, 570 on the board, Nuggets at 76ers. This game has had a huge move on the total. So I'm seeing right now at South Point, uh, it was 227 and a half at some point. It is no longer anywhere near there, right? Right, and that is that's a play I was going to give out as well as over two twenty seven and a half. The Sixers are twenty three and fifteen to the over, and Joel Embiid is playing fantastic again. And then, of course, on the other side, the Joker is one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. So I was definitely thinking we were going to get a lot of points here, but it's already moved up to what two thirty three. Two thirty three. Yep. So incredible. When was the last time that we saw an NBA game move six points on the total the day of without any major injury news? I don't, uh, that's a great question. I wish we had uh, one of our guys, Chris or Vinny, to come in here and let us know that. Well, I I think the issue is when they put the line out, all five starters for the Nuggets were listed as questionable. Okay. And now the only Nuggets player that's on the injury report is Julian Strother, the Gonzaga um, draft pick this past year, and he's out. And he's not even like great, huge, huge impact player. So everybody's playing for the Nuggets, and that that, that was the only question. So that'll be interesting. And do you do you like even with this elevated number? Would you consider a, a play on over two thirty three? Honestly, yes, I would. I, um, my dad and I's number is more two forty. Okay. Here. So if you if, if you trust the whites in their rankings, that's that's <laughs> that's go. an easy overplay. I'm definitely gonna have to take a look at that one. Uh, although we're running out of time, that one starts in seventeen minutes on uh, on old TNT. So the inside the NBA crew uh, having some fun already with that one on the pregame show. Next up, Kings. At Suns, the Suns team has really, really started to come on strong at this point in the year. They are. I have no play in this one, but that's the only way I would look at it. Minus four here with the home teams. I actually like all home teams tonight, um, but I, it, NBA is so hard with the spread. You got to be careful. So if you really like one and you can lay that with the money line, sometimes it's worth it. Well, especially this time of year. You yes. always wonder what the motivation is, and they made these new rules to try to stop you know teams from giving guys too much rest, and it's you know, worked with Varying, varying results, but uh, yeah, that's a big impact in this game. And then in the last one, Thunder at Clippers. You said you like the Clippers, all, all the home teams tonight? All the home teams. Well, Oklahoma City's really good, right? But this is just a bad spot for them. In NBA, you really have to watch the back-to-backs, the travel. So 
OKC just played last night against the Lakers. They lost that one in a tough game. It's their third game in four nights and their ninth in 15 days. So it's a tired team. And this Clippers team is very good. They're clicking. Ryan, the only thing I'm so mad about myself is we talked about the Clippers months ago yep. and I never made my future bet on them because it was right when they got James Harden and they were not looking great. I think they lost like five or six in a row. Yep. And I yeah, asked really my strong. dad, he was on the show and I said, they're going to start to turn it around. Right. And he was like, absolutely. Teams, you know, players or stars take time to um, adjust. And I missed that one. Especially a star like James Harden, who is so, his game is so <laughs> predicated on, on him. So easy. His style is of him having the ball. And yeah, he's such an easy guy to work with off the floor. <laughs> uh, you just have to be in a certain line of work. And then he really likes you and gives you a lot of money for no reason. <laughs> but I digress. So those those are the NBA, only three games tonight. But, uh, yeah, we like the over in Nuggets 76ers. And we'll, we'll close the show today looking at, uh, I will say, my bread and butter this time of year. Very good. Is, is college basketball. And I had a good talk with Frank on Sunday on the air. Or rather, with, with Jeff and you on, the, on this very show. I've been coming on to so many guest spots. It gets, yeah. gets confusing. Um, college basketball is just so fun because you're more often than not not betting on personnel or injuries or line moves. You're betting on numbers. You're betting on trends and numbers throughout the year and uh, common opponents also another big one that I yes. look at especially once you get into conference play because the non-conference schedule can be it can lie to you a little bit they say numbers never lie well they don't know non-conference college basketball especially once you get to the lower levels so this time of year is really where you start to prepare for March and as a handicapper as a better as a as a bookmaker you can tell who has been following college basketball Maybe not even all year, but from January on, as opposed to somebody who come tournament time is like, oh, what do you know about Kansas? What do you got on Virginia? You know, you, you really start to develop your opinions on college basketball this time of year. And I think the early slate of college basketball is when you can learn a lot about these teams, even more so than in the conference tournament. Oh, you're 100% right. And things just shift so quickly in college basketball. It's a lot of fun. Like BYU started out so hot right and now we're seeing them in conference play and it's starting to turn around a little bit i think we're missing a window of opportunity here because you and jeff parles are both very zoned in on college basketball we got to get a segment with you guys just talking college hoops for Hoop sure top. yeah we'll figure we'll, we'll figure out a way to do that because we both have our uh conferences that we do better on and that we do more i do a lot with the mountain west and with unlv so i'm kind of kind of tuned in there as far as uh what what to look for on on certain numbers and and certain moves but uh big 12 is the best conference in college basketball and it's, it's my favorite one to to look at big 10's pretty good um but yeah let's let's run through the slate because there's a lot of fun games today and all the ones that we're going to highlight uh feature ranked teams but that's the beauty yeah. of uh, of college basketball if you want to bet on merrimack versus bryant there there is a play to be had but in these ones i i think it was really good and ryan kind of presented this as the the games with the ranked teams and yeah. i think in a game like or a day like this rather where there's so much going on and just so many games as we get into the Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday kind of slate around college basketball. I think that's where a lot of these teams that we'll see in March, you kind of learn exactly who they are. We'll get it started with uh, 613, 614 on the board. TCU comes in number 19 in the country, getting points at Cincinnati. This Big 12 matchup uh, features two teams in the top 35 in Ken Palm, TCU number 22, and uh, Cincinnati comes in at number 33. Cincinnati, a defensive stalwart. They have been phenomenal defensively. They've played three ranked teams in their last three games, BYU, Texas, and Baylor. They held uh, two or th two of the three, BYU and Baylor, to their season low in terms of points. And we're pretty far into the schedule, so that actually means something. But this TCU team, really solid, really solid uh, shooting, even better rebounding. And I, I think that they've got an advantage here and where you can take a, a, an advantage of a, of a pretty favorable line. They're, they're catching three, but I, I like money line with the Horned Frogs. So I'm with I took the points here with TCU. Um, I haven't gotten that confident yet just to jump money line, but I applaud you. And it kind of makes me nervous because this is supposed to be a fade spot for TCU. They just beat Houston, right? But you're right. They're a really good team. They're 5-0 and ATS in their last five and 3-0 and in conference. They lost their last road game, but that was at Kansas. And they hung in there by, and they lost by two. So I like the points here, but I don't blame you for taking them out right here to beat Cincinnati yeah and I just think that with what we saw from TCU against Houston and what amounts to a rivalry game for both of those two teams I, I think that that is more of what we're going to see from TCU throughout the rest of the year Sonny Dykes has done a phenomenal job yes. uh, of getting his team ready for the, these big time games and in terms of uh, the game itself this may be the best game of the day I mean we're keeping an eye on 
uh, Tennessee, Florida, but this one's turned into a route. The Volunteers up 73 to 53 right now. This was one of the other ones that I had circled, uh, but it had started while we were on the air, so I didn't get a chance to really get any action in on this one. But the, the matchup between uh, TCU and unranked Cincinnati, if, yeah. and if Cincy does win, I think they, they are able to creep into the top 25, and I think that they will have that motivation. I think TCU, uh, in terms of the front court, is going to be just a little bit too much, though. Great analysis, though, and that you looked into and what they held their last opponents to. Might be a team I have to start following for unders. Since he might be a very good under team. Yeah, no, since he Houston matchup, if they score 100, that would be uh, that that'd be incredible. Uh, moving on ahead, the second-ranked Purdue Boilermakers laying nine and a half on the road at Assembly Hall, taking on the Indiana Hoosiers in a game that tips off in about 10 minutes right after we get off the air. And uh, I was on Purdue in each of their last two games where they won but didn't cover. Uh, this one on the Peacock. Oh, did Penn State end up covering? No, that. The two before that, right? Okay. So two of their last three they've won but not covered. They did end up pulling away from Penn State, who's one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in the country at the end of that one. I like the Hoosiers, especially if you can get it at 10. I got nine and a half, but I think Indiana does enough in a really hostile environment at, at, in Bloomington. So I'm on the under in this one. I went under 151. Ranked teams are just 40 and 47 straight up on the road this season, so I think Indiana can give... Purdue a little trouble here, but I think it'll be more on the defensive end, and I think they have the size to slow Zach Eady down a little bit, so I don't mind your play at all with the points. I just had a more value in the underplay here. Another Big 12 game that uh, features two really, really solid teams. Top 10 Baylor comes in at number 9 in the country. It's a pick on the road in Manhattan, Kansas against Kansas State. What do you make of this line? So this line has moved everywhere. Um, it's now K-State 1. Yeah, so wow. Baylor opened two and a half. It went to pick them. Now the money is coming in on Kansas State, and I'm on the other side. I think the number was right where they opened it. Baylor is seven and two straight up and six and three ATS on the road this year. They're ninth in the polls, which I know not a lot of people care about the polls, but they have a nice five-game winning streak going. They held BYU to 72 points. Kansas State on the other side, they've been very good too. They're 3-0 ATS in conference, but... Texas Tech was really the only great team that they have played so far in conference. They played West Virginia and UCF, who are two at the bottom of the Big 12. So we'll see how they do today at home. I know it's a tough place to play, but I like Baylor. I took them at pick here. And, and elsewhere, if TCU Cincinnati is not the game of the night, I think it's Iowa State at BYU in, in Provo, number 24 versus number 20, respectively. And it's a, a contrast of styles. Iowa State stifling defensively. BYU, they, they wake up and start shooting from, from beyond the three-point line. If they don't shoot 43-pointers <laughs> in a game, it's a surprise. So you've got two really different styles of teams, and you can't compare any, any of the past matchups. This is the first time that these two have played in 11 years, and all of a sudden it's a Big 12 conference game. I think it's been interesting to see BYU get started in the Big 12 because it hasn't been an easy ride for them here initially, and they get a really, really tough test as the Cyclones come into Provo tonight. As you mentioned, though, it's, it's the toughest division in college basketball they played two or they lost to two really good teams in Cincinnati and Baylor here I think this is going to be a great game this is actually the one I'm looking forward to the most like both of these teams a lot for different reasons contrast of style I think BYU is the right side at home I don't know much about Provo or how tough it is to play there so maybe you can speak about that but I love Iowa State as well and Otzelberger we know a lot about him he mm -hmm. came from UNLV he's a great coach great defensive minded um, Iowa State is, they just beat up a, a good team. Who was that? Let me look it up. Uh, I was, uh, they, Houston. They beat Houston. It they was Houston. Yeah, right? Houston. So I think they can kind of keep this going. So I was looking more at the points here with Iowa State, but I'm just going to watch this one and enjoy it. You are on, I'm on the Cougars. Cougars here. At I'm home. on the Cougars. Ryan, have you been to a game in, in Provo? I have not. I went to a game in uh, Salt Lake City for Utah. It's cl close enough. Oh, they, yeah. uh, they, they travel really well. BYU always travels well. And, uh, moving from the WCC to the Big 12 is only up their profile. And, uh, yeah, the home games in Provo are, are tough. Okay. It, it is tough to go on the road and, and win at BYU. So I'm going to lay four and a half with the Cougars. I think that they get the better of Iowa State. I think something's got to give defensively for the, for the Cyclones. Um, and then our last two that we're going to take a look at, both in the Mountain West, uh, both of them tonight, Utah State at New Mexico. Now, both of these teams were in Las Vegas last week, both taking on UNLV. UNLV beat New Mexico pretty handily and then handed the game to Utah State at the end. Some questionable officiating, but uh, we, we've talked about it. I do a, a couple different UNLV podcasts. You can't really get – it's 
you have to be able to put yourself in a position to not lose that game. And that yes, that all that all that. aside, this matchup between Utah State and New Mexico, uh, 661-662, Utah State comes in uh, number 16 in the country. This one starting at 7:30 here on the West Coast. I was surprised to see the line. It opened New Mexico. Right, it, it is now at New Mexico minus six. And I just don't think that this Utah State team that has now the nation's longest winning streak is going to get run out of the gym like that. That's a really big number. I agree with you. I was looking at this to only play New Mexico money line because they haven't lost at home all season. But then, of course, we've got Utah State's win streak going here. I think this is going to be a great game. I, I wish that these were two teams that UNLV did end up winning or beating. But, yeah, this conference is, is getting pretty tough. They... All these top teams are very good. Oh, the Mountain West always cannibalizes itself. And Ryan, you can yes. speak to it too, having seen a lot of these games. It's it's a, a four-bid league when things go right. That's not always the case come tournament time, especially if there's a team on the bubble that needs a tournament win to get in. They, they don't typically win the conference tournament. Mountain West traditionally has been really, really tough to go throughout and have any kind of winning streak. Yep, especially when players get hurt at, towards the end of the years too. Like they, committee seems to take that into account when they select their 68 that they they kind of hold the mountain west out when that happens Just don't tell any florida state football fans about that <laughs> it's a tough conference not only because of the teams but because a lot of the environments and the atmospheres i mean you've got games in boise idaho you've got albuquerque new mexico laramie wyoming it's it is tough to go into those places as a san diego state that that plays and lives at sea level all of a sudden you got to go play at eight thousand feet elevation it does make a difference and i, I forget who it was there's was a coach uh, back in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s. I forget exactly who said this, but he said, uh, they asked him about the elevation and they said, uh, oh, it's, uh, you know, you're playing at, you know, however many feet, you know, what are you, what are you doing differently for your team? He goes, well, it's a good thing the game's played indoors. Chris Andrews said that that was Tark. That was Tark. That was Tark. Yeah, that's why that's <laughs> ingrained in my mind. And that's kind of a, uh, I'm going to give Tark the benefit of the doubt and say that that's kind of a Yogi Berra-ism yes. where yes. he didn't mean that. But if you take it at face value, I mean, that, <laughs> that is great. Uh, New Mexico, though, Won 12 of their first 13, just two and two cents, including the loss here in Las Vegas last week. Uh, they did just beat San Diego State, who is the, the the class of the Mountain West. They are trying to get back to the national championship once more. But, yeah, I like Utah State. I'm going to take the points with the Aggies. Don't we have a little revenge here, too, from last season in the tournament? You're right, yeah. Did Utah State knock out New Mexico? I, yeah, so there is that element as well. Rich Patino does a great job with this Lobos team. They are really guard-heavy, whereas Utah State is really front-court-heavy. Okay. Um, and New Mexico is one of those teams where they could beat anybody in the country on any given night. Uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Jalen House, son of Jamal and Eddie House. Um, they, they are two of the best guards in, the, in a backcourt in, in the country. But it's a matter of putting it all together. They don't run a lot of sets either. They kind of just have a lot of ISO, get the ball to whoever, and everybody get out of the way. Um, Obi Toppin, uh, one of the best freshmen or J JT Toppin, rather. No, no relation. Uh, one of the best big men, freshmen in the, in the country. Uh, and, and they've got a couple of other really, really solid front court players. I, 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 like I said, I like Utah State. I think there's just too much. Great Ozapor is the name to keep an eye on. Number one for Utah State. He's averaging 15 and almost 10 boards a game. I think he's going to be a little bit too much. Uh, give me the Aggies in this game, which, like you said, revenge on the mind. And then lastly, we'll, we'll talk UNLV. The Rebels on the road in Boise tonight. The Broncos laying five and a half points. This one starting at seven o'clock here on the West Coast. Your thoughts? I like the Rebels here. I took the six when I could earlier today. Oh, it's moved down a little bit. Um, I want your thoughts though. I I like this Rebels team. They've when they've played tougher competition, they play up to them, right? They beat Creighton, and then we saw them beat New Mexico. They just have to jump out right at right at the beginning and kind of control the pace of the game. What do you think about this uh, Deedon Thompson Jr.? Because I think he plays at a very mature level and has done a great job leading this team. Oh, he has been phenomenal. And if, if you were to tell a, a coach that he was going to turn his team over to a true freshman yeah. who reclassified to become a true freshman, this is a kid that should be a senior in high school. And not only is he leading this team, he is running the offense and commanding the ball at, at certain points from these guys that are five, six, seven years his senior now that we've got college basketball where guys are staying yeah. six, seven years, going to three, four different schools, I mean, he is poised beyond his years. And UNLV's dealt with injuries the whole year, and they're starting to really come together, especially in the, the front court. So that's going to be where I keep an eye on this one is the forward play. Tyson Dagenhart um, and a couple of other players for the Broncos have really led them to a rebounding advantage in just about all of their games 
Uh, they're about middle of the pack in the rest of the stats. But I, I think Boise State has the horses in the front court, not to be you know punny with the Broncos, but the Broncos have the horses. Go figure. Again, <laughs> another Frank Nicotero uh, kind of joke. But I, this, this is going to be an interesting matchup of styles as well. Boise State wasn't really on my radar until I watched the game when they went up to Nevada and yeah. beat them there. So you said they have a way of kind of throwing teams off, right? Yeah, and that when they beat Colorado State, they took Isaiah Stevens, who in my opinion is, is the best distributor in the country, and made him look as uncomfortable as I've ever seen him over three, four years. So if you can do that to him, they can do that to just about anybody. This Boise State team thrives when they're able to get their opponents out of their comfort zone. It'll be a tough one for the Rebels. It should be interesting. We'll yeah, see. the Rebels uh, laying or catching rather five and a half tonight in Boise. And that's another tough, tough atmosphere to go play. I saw some videos of them heading to shoot around and they're in their flip-flops while the snowbanks are, are <laughs> around the bus as they get off. Great. Great. Should be really, really fun. Those Las well, Vegas boys. Yeah, the Vegas guys. That, that'll do it. For my first show hosting here on Sports by the Book, I want to thank my partner, Alex White. I want to thank Ryan McCormick behind the glass, Ann and Andrew as well. Everybody here at the mm -hmm. South Point for uh, having the faith and uh, letting me run the show. We'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 4. Alex and myself here on Sports by the Book. Follow South Point Studios on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Matt Neverett while you're at it. Just follow everybody on everything. How about that? There we go. That'll do it for today. For Alex White, Ryan McCormick, I'm Matt Neverett. This has been Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio.